Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so hopefully you all got my note uh, last Sunday about uh, what we we're going to be doing today. Hold on. Megan's in the other room, and I can hear my echo. I'm going to go close the door. Those. Okay. Last fall, we we kind of tried out a new thing in some of our worship gatherings where uh, after, um, after a few weeks, uh, a little miniature sermon series or whatnot, we would, as a community, take a week and read through the Gospel of Mark in its entirety. Um, and then we would come back and have a discussion about what we had read or about our experience in reading that. And uh, looking back on that, it was kind of interesting because every time we sat down and had that discussion, it was a different discussion. We talked about different things, but it was the same book that we read every single time, right? Well, what changed? Well, it wasn't the book. I mean, maybe, maybe you listened to it instead of reading it, or maybe you did a different translation, or you know, maybe there was some difference there. But really, the big factor that changed was us and the world that we lived in, right? Whether or not it had been the something that we were working through in storyline, a, a sermon series, or what was going on in our own lives or in the lives of people that we know, um, things had changed. And then when we came and brought that to the gospel and read that and let the, let our story intersect with that story, um, we each had a different experience and it allowed the gospel to speak into our own experiences. Well, a few things have happened since uh, we last did that uh, in, in the world and in our lives. Um, and so it seemed like a good idea before we got into any, any, any other kind of message series to just to pause for a moment and go back to that gospel story and to bring everything that we are carrying with us into it with us and and go through it and read it and see what jumps out to us, what speaks to us, where where does our story intersect with that story this time. Um, Val texted me multiple times throughout the week. Um, which I ignored, uh, asking which which section of Mark did we want to read? You know, because when I when I put in the for a normal message, we have a passage that is going to be associated with the message, and there's a schedule, and that gets pulled in, and it's no big deal. But when it's the Gospel of Mark, um, we you know we don't have the time to read the entire thing right now. So she's like, which section? I'm like, I don't know. Um. And so it took me a while to to land on something, and 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 finally I chose that uh, the passage that uh, was just read, where they're in the boat, um, and you know, Mark is such a has such a frantic pace. Everything is so fast. Everything is immediate, and um, everything leading up to that is going into this town and meeting these people and healing these people and then getting overwhelmed by people and then going somewhere else and meeting some people and getting overwhelmed by people and going somewhere else. 
Meanwhile, like the people that are supposed to be in charge of things are not helping. They're just showing up and like scoring cheap political points or screaming about things or complaining about why you're not doing this or you did this wrong or you should have done this differently. And over and over again, and they go to this place and they go to that place. And then finally they end up in the boat, right? And they're, they're going away, hopefully to a quieter place for the moment, but then the storm comes and the waves and the wind and everything is just like, it's it, like, they're, they're like, we're going to die now. And they're like, come on, 2020, what else do you have to throw at me? I mean, of course this is happening right now. And they go and they grab Jesus from the bottom of the boat wake him up because he's asleep. And they're like, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you see all of this chaos and craziness and nonsense around us right now that is killing us literally? Don't you care? And, you know, he does his Jesus thing and kind of rolls their eyes and mumbles something about little faith and cowards or whatnot. And, and then he yells at the storm to shut up. And it does. And everything gets calm again. And then that freaks him out. But I don't know, just skimming through the whole thing earlier this week, trying to figure out what to focus on, that one jumped out at me as like, there is so much chaos going on in the world right now. And sometimes I do kind of want to grab God and go, don't you care about everything that's going on? Uh, and so that was a part of the story that that kind of jumped out at me a lot in my reading of it this time. Uh, but what about you guys? Um, you can metaphorically raise your hand in the chat room and, and just chime in. But like, what was your experience this past week in reading through the Gospel of Mark? Go ahead, Sharon. At the very beginning, like I love like the first five words of Mark where this is the good news. And that just struck me because I feel like 2020 is just like bad news all day long. <laughs> like every time it's like, oh, here's what happens next. I'm like, dang it. So I just, it was nice to just open something and be like, oh, there's good news. That's, that's nice. There's good news. So just, that just, it struck me different sitting in the middle of just a really weird year that I was like, oh, good news sounds really good right now. I like that. That's uh, anytime any of those words that we normally just kind of skip over with our brains as we read when they jump out, you're like, oh, yeah, I need that. That's awesome. John, what you got? Well, I, <clears throat> I really appreciate, uh, Ted, that you sent those links to all those other uh, versions. I knew going into this, if I went to King James or NAS or, or NIV, it would have been the same boring religious stuff. And I would have said, I heard that. I know that. And, and I, in these days, I don't read much. I like to listen to things a lot more than reading, I especially like to just to, to, to have something read to me as I'm reading it, that helps me to keep my attention because my attention wants to go 14 different directions. And so what I chose of the options you offered, Ted, was Dar- was Daryl's. 
And, uh, it was, uh, and I'm so grateful for how Daryl did that. Uh, he brought the, the dramaticness of it. And uh, that pr- helped me to appreciate that, uh, it is a narrative. It is not, uh, Hebrews. It's not Romans. You know, it's not genealogies. It's a, it is, it is, a, it is a lot, a lot of stories with a lot, a lot of characters. And, um, the people at that time were not like us. I mean, I've got to make a conscious effort frequently to, to remember when I'm reading the Bible, they were, they're not just, you know, in Fort Worth. They're not just over in Austin, just like me. You know, they didn't have TV. They didn't have internet. They didn't have electrical light bulbs, right? And, and so for them, and they're very oral culture, they're a storytelling culture. So the way that Daryl brought it would be very much like the way they heard it. You, you can't read some of those exciting passages in a dull, monotone voice like a lot of Baptists do, thank you. You know, you can't come at it academically like we're going to try to parse every single sentence and syllable and Greek word. Pooey! It is a story. It's a long, complicated, crazy story. And he told really, really well. So that's what I have to say. Awesome. Thanks, John. And yeah, thanks, Daryl, for the for the videos. That was that was good. Uh, let's see, Sarah. Um, I I was just struck by uh, kind of similar to what John said, about, but just like the amount of people, like that there was uh, all these people who were around, and just kind of just thinking about um, what that must have. Uh, what that must have felt like since I haven't been around a lot of people in a long time. <laughs> um, but just, uh, just the, uh, the crowds and like what it, uh, what like being around in crowds and, you know, Jesus trying to get away and then the crowds coming and finding him and, and, um, just kind of the, uh, yeah, that's, I was struck by just the amount of people that were mentioned. Thanks. Did anybody else kind of cringe when Jesus healed the man born blind by spitting in his eyes this time? I was like, oh, gosh, don't do that. (laughs) He put his hands in. Oh, you don't know what's in that spit. (laughs) Oh. Oh, yeah. Daryl. Yeah, I will never see that story of Jesus spitting in the man's eyes the same again. Thank you, Ted. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, uh, for me, the thing that keeps on popping out in Mark is this theme of fear, uh, especially right now. Uh, and the passage that you brought up, and in that passage too, there's a couple of things. They're afraid of the storm, but they're also afraid when Jesus basically does a redo of Psalm 107. Only God does this sort of thing. And that scared the crud out of them. Like, who, who is this? There's kind of an implication there that frightens the, you know, the bejesus out of them. But the story has throughout the entire lesson, throughout the entire narrative, this theme just keeps on popping up with fear. The woman that has the bleeding, you know, she's terrified after she gets found out, um, you, you have the disciples that are following with them on the way to Jerusalem. They're astonished, but they're also frightened. And finally, it ends 
in fear. Um, if, if you agree with me that it ends at, in chapter 16, verse 8, the women, the women are trembling and frightened, and they don't tell anybody. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, okay, you're afraid of life around you, that it appears like there's no God, but then you're afraid that there is God and he's dealing with it, but not in the way you want him to. And what does that imply? If that's God and he's right there with you, what's that imply? And finally, it leaves you, okay, what are you going to do about it? You, you've got this great revelation, this amazing thing, a tomb is empty. Now, are you going to deal with this in a fearful way? Or are you going to, or is it going to be a different response from you? And I think right now, as we look at what surrounds us, the question is, is what's our response going to be? Uh, not, not that there should be no caution, but is there going to be terror? Are we going to be terrified um, in our response to God and all of this junk that's around us? So that jumps out at me uh, this time, especially. Yeah, that's 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 really great, Daryl. That's I I, I kind of noticed that dichotomy a lot too. Of like they're scared about something, and then Jesus does something, and then they're scared again, and then he says, "Don't be afraid." And how many times in there do they is there a, a pairing of "Do not be afraid" with "They were totally freaked out." Um, you to say Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Marquila. I think what stood out this time, and I, I think I've noticed before, like whenever, when Jesus walked past the disciples and said, drop your nets and I'll make you fisher of men. And I know it's just the way that Mark communicates, but the idea that they would just drop it and walk. I, I just can't imagine when he says, follow me, I, I would be like, now where are we going exactly? And when are we getting back? And what route are we taking? <laughs> you know, I would just have all these questions and to think, about living a life where when Jesus says, follow me, that you just trust them and go. And and we see that when you read the entire book, they never really came to full faith until the end. So it just struck me how much faith in the beginning that they had to follow someone that the revelation that he really was the Messiah didn't hit until until later. So for them to drop everything and follow this person and to follow, I mean, we understand from our perspective, the son of God and the true embodiment of this person, but they didn't have that true understanding at that time, but yet they dropped everything and followed him. And so I think reading it, I kind of stopped and I laughed at myself and I was like, I would, I would have missed it. I would have missed this wonderful opportunity because I'm like, now what exactly? And because that's my nature is to have all these questions and need them answered before I can take another step. And I have a list of pros and cons. And what now, what is the pro to going with you? Can I go with you next month? Because I need to get a few things together. You know, all these things going on in my mind. And so that's what stood out. That kind of faith. That's great. Um, when you When you said that, the one of the something that I had occurred to me for the first time, um, and you know, in terms of like how quickly do you because we we don't tend to do something like that very quickly. Like let's just drop everything and go go make this major change. Except 
when all of a sudden we all had to go lock ourselves in our homes and not go anywhere anymore. Like, which I don't know if there's a, if there's a strong parallel there or not, but that was like, I haven't been to my office since March. I don't, I have no idea what I left on my desk. I'm sure there's some stuff there. I hope it's not like an empty cup of coffee. Um, right. But like we, we left and then that was, that was it. And that, in that case, for me, it wasn't faith that was sending me home. It was kind of a moment of desperation um, and, and fear that was pushing us. So, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I got, it's just, but, yeah. So anyway, thank, thank you for that. That's, I like, that, that speed of it. Some of it's Mark, and, but a lot of it was just like, there's something about him. We're going to just drop everything and go because that's better than this. I love it. Uh, Sarah Walker. Oh, um, I noticed, I guess, like just the desperation of everybody in it. Um, everybody has big problems that they've lived with for a long time or things that they're scared of. And I often feel like in Matthew and Luke and in John, you have Jesus talking a lot and he doesn't, um, he doesn't talk always about practical things, but he's like preaching these long sermons, um, or there's a lot of exposition of the writer talking about the background or things like that. But in Mark, it's just dripping with like human desperation. Um, and I feel like what's telling is that Jesus like meets all these people where they are, where they are desperate. Like he doesn't just come to them and give them long sermons. He comes to them and is fixing the thing that has like plagued them. Um, or like their deepest need in that moment, like food or safety from a storm. Um, I don't know. I just, that's just the sense that I got going through here that Je- they were desperate, but Jesus isn't scared by desperate. So. No, that's, I love that. That's great. That was everybody that encounters Jesus. They don't just like, unless it's like the Pharisees, they don't just like saunter up to him. They run up and throw themselves down on the ground in front of him. Um, from the, that first leper at the very beginning. And you're right. Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to touch you. Um, with your coronavirus or your leprosy or whatever it is you've got, and I'm going to make you better, and I'm not going to be afraid. Um, but even all the way through to, like, the rich young ruler, like, in Luke and in some of these other the other Gospels that tell the story, he, he kind of walks up and has a casual chat. But in this one, the rich young ruler runs up and throws himself down on his knees. It's the same posture every single time. And that's, yeah, that de- that desperation that's just sending people to come to him. Thank you for that. All right, Henry. So, God, Jesus describes God's kingdom interesting in his parables. I'll say that. Like, I had, I, I read one parable, well, and he described it as a mustard seed, the smallest seed, but it grows into the biggest tree. It stands out from all the others when, it, but it used to not. Hmm. 
That, that is interesting, mm -hmm. Henry. Mm -hmm. What do you think he means by that? He means that God's kingdom stands out, out in other in some ways, but it doesn't in others. I really like the way you put that, Henry. That's that's really good. In some, you can look around, and in some ways you don't notice it, but in other ways it's mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? That's Daryl pointing at Terry. Go ahead. Um, well, it made me think, Sarah, something that you said um, is that Jesus meets people where they are. And I don't know why, but for some reason today, that just really struck me. And I've probably known that, but you know how, like, we can read Mark, you know, however many times, and then we read it again, and we see something totally different. And so I, I know that, but for some reason today, it, it's really, it feels very powerful in my life today, is that Jesus meets us where we are. Um I don't know what to say about that. It's just a, it's just a thought that Jesus meets us where we are, and that's powerful to me. Thank you, thank you, Terry. I love, I love that. One other thing I did notice uh, as I was reading it this time, at the end, after he's been arrested. After he's been through the trial and they've pulled him up and Pilate tried to release Jesus, but instead they wanted Barabbas and they needed him crucified. Before he is taken to Golgotha, the guards take him and they dress him up with the, the purple robe and they put the crown of thorns and then they just beat him up and make fun of him and yell at him. And I've always kind of had this thought when I've read it, but it hadn't crystallized in the same way this time. But why do the guards care about anything that Jesus said? Like, what stake in this game do they have? This has always been a battle between Jesus and the religious leaders or Jesus and the bigger authorities. Like, these are just guards. And, <laughs> and then, of course, this time, um, in this context, really – really seeing all of the systemic brutality in our, in the police. I looked at that. And I was like, Oh, that was true then too. These guys didn't necessarily have a stake in the game, but this was a chance to make fun of somebody that was different and to beat them up and to really hurt them before taking them off to the next thing. And I don't know that. That, that jumped out at me, not just because it's, a, it's an old story of this same problem that still happens, but that Jesus was the one taking the, taking the abuse.
Uh, let's see. Ooh, a couple more in the chat. John. Yeah, well, I was listening to Daryl, uh, the first and maybe into the second uh, recording, I kept hearing the word heal, healing, and people that came to him specifically to be healed, but also because, and there were stories about specific healings, like the one with the eyes and all those others. But then because that word got out there, people brought people to him to be healed and said so he stayed up all day healing them. And we don't have all those, so that's dozens and dozens of healings. And, and then over at the book of Acts, you know, and he sent people out in the book of Acts, they went out and they healed folks. And I, and so, and I'm in, a, I'm in, a, like you said, you bring to the, uh, the, the gospel. It's a mirror, right? You see back something different this year. You don't see last year. Well, I'm in the middle of being healed, particularly my eyes and my gallbladder. And so, and, and so I said, you know, partly the people I'm with, all these sweet old ladies in my neighborhood, you know, they pray that God would bless me, which is good and protect me. And that's good. But they really want me to go to the doctor. I'm going, yeah, I'll go to the doctor, but I believe Christ can heal me. Where did I get that idea? Well, how about the gospel of Mark? You know, what about that? It's significant that when I was born again in 1977, 23 years old, I was in Assembly God Church. From there, I went to Lakewood Church. They talked and preached healing and prosperity all day, all night, all night, all day. And, and I was healed many, many, many times. I saw many, many, many healings. And I hardly ever, ever went to a doctor. I had no illnesses. It was like, you get sick, you pray, and then here we go. So I'm bringing that with me, but I saw that again. Where did I ever get that crazy idea that Christ could heal my eyes? You know, really? My gallbladder? Really? And since then, I've had to work out healing and, 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 and doctors and self-help and nutrition and herbs. That work out. It's not just this or that. One pastor I had, in my super charismatic days, he refused to go to any doctor. He wouldn't take an aspirin. If he was hurting, he would just pray harder. And, uh, because that's his faith demanded that he do that. He had, he had, he, and, and so I've got to find this kind of crazy balance, but prayer, not just prayer, but prayer for wisdom. I go, I always go with that, but even wisdom, you know, do I just wait it out? Does God heal me? And I'm thankful forever and ever for my immune system. Which people, I mean, there's one thing I'm really grateful for all day, all night. It's my immune system. God has had put in here a healing, a healing mechanism out of to touch, and it works marvelously for 67 years. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for that. Thank you, John. Uh, Sarah Holland. Um, you, Ted, you're talking about the noticing kind of the systemic problems in the society. Um, I saw some some conservative uh pastor tweeted out this week Jesus never what something along the lines of Jesus wasn't concerned with social with social justice he just teached the gospel he just preached the gospel and um and reading mark i was just like i was struck by the things that Jesus was doing to help people who were in um uh places that would have been put there because of systemic injustice and uh um and in that is teaching this is wrong we can do something to fix it so i was struck by that as well yeah makes me wonder well it just it goes back to the question i think we've talked about before what is the gospel because if you're preaching the gospel 
the one that we just read, you're concerned about a lot of these things. All right. Thank you all for for sharing. Thank you for 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 taking the time to to read and then this morning to to open up about about how how it hit you, um, how it impacted you. Um, I I hope this was beneficial for you. It is for me. I love this practice, and uh, hopefully we will continue to do it periodically. Will you all pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for your your good news because that is something we so desperately need right now. Thank you for, for entering into our world. Um, thank you for this story that we have where you did enter into our world in a, in a very real way and just drew people to you so that they would just drop everything that they had and run to you, throw themselves down in front of you. Thank you for interacting with those people, for healing them, for listening to them, for asking them what they needed and then helping them. Thank you for being willing to cut through all of the unhelpful stuff to get at the heart of what was needed. Thank you for revealing yourself to them, to us. Thank you for being with us on this journey. Thank you for putting up with us when we're scared and we're afraid and when we forget that you're with us. Thank you for putting up with us when we're scared and afraid because we know that you're with us. Thank you for being with us. Lord, give us wisdom Open our eyes to see you. Open our hearts to accept you. Give us hope. We so desperately need hope in this world, Lord. Give us hope that things will get better and show us the way, one step at a time, to get to that place. Thank you for your story that intersects our story. Thank you for our story that is really just a part of your story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.